0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Sometimes I like to do this lower register voice. Have you noticed that?
1: Yeah, you kind of change it up every once in a while.
0: Yeah, sometimes I go, You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. It's like, hey, I'm having a good day. How are you guys? And then I'm like, You're listening to Inside of You. I'm like, which one do you like, dude?
1: Uh, I think I like the first one because the last one, you seem sad. How about, You're listening to Inside of You with Michael
0: Rosenbaum.
2: Mm, it's like
0: you have something in your throat. Rob, I just got back from... Uh, paris and ireland i'm a little tired it was a 24-hour flight i mean it was 24 hours like you know flying and all that stuff anyway we've got a great guest today uh camille, do you, do you want to
1: talk about camille non
0: well we could talk about my flight but uh, they harassed me a little bit they gave me a cavity not a cavity search but a full body search you know i i like you
2: asked the, for the cavity.
0: well I, I like exchanged money and they're like where'd you get this money i'm like uh i literally looked at him i go from me why do i have to tell you where i got my money Camille Nangiani is a uh, gifted actor, gifted comedian, funny guy, great writer, has a great story, Oscar-nominated movie for best screenplay, I believe, uh, Big Sick. The yep. Big Sick, which was one of my favorite movies of the year, if you haven't seen it. I'm not kidding. The Big Sick is one of my favorite movies. He's also in Silicon Valley. Which is one of my favorite one shows. One of your favorite shows. I don't think... And so Natalie. You've,
1: you've not seen
0: like... I've any, seen like two episodes. Two, that's pretty rude. No, it's not. I don't have a lot of time. Actually, I, I don't. Do you, you have too much time? Uh, I, I do. Uh, anyway, Camille Nanjiani, uh, let's get inside of this guy. You're going to like this. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. So you're a horror movie fan. Big fan, yeah. And you're saying Mandy's good yeah I loved Mandy I thought it was great don't, don't give anything away though it's just intense is it let me ask you this is it scary at all or is it just violent and fun
2: I don't really get scared um, I do if it's the right movie it's rare yeah I like hereditary I was really scared in um it's not like that like to me those movies it does a great job of ratcheting up tension but then the release is very like intense and over the top so it's creepy. It's not really scary. I don't think it's really trying to be scary, but it's surprising and pretty uh pretty over the top. Did you see The Loved Ones? It's no, I did not. I know of it. You I know of see it. That. Is that the one about those um people like they're like cheerleaders or something? Is it that one?
0: No, it's the movie about the the girl who kidnaps the guy To go to prom with her.
2: Right. I knew it was a prom thing. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I loved it. It's a great little indie that was overlooked by a lot, but people in the horror... um,
2: Yeah, I saw it. It it always pops up in my recommendations. Yeah. Hereditary, I felt, was too long. It was scary. It had its
0: moments. The ending, I wish they would stop doing these movies where, you know, it's it's a cult sort of like seance at the end of all these horror movies. We get it. We've done that before. They
2: do do it a lot, but I did like that they really committed to it. Like, that movie goes...
0: I I I did I I gave it a B minus okay and that's good for me because I don't yeah. I don't like uh, I'm very very strict on the grading system okay
2: I'm, I I really really loved it just because that sequence in the car you
0: know oh, what I'm talking about when with he's the, with driving the, with
2: the sister that made me feel that was unbelievable I haven't had a movie make me feel like that in a long time so just for me that scene for me makes it great like for me if I see a movie and there's like one scene in it that like really gets inside me then that's you know well guess what i'm gonna be inside you
0: (laughs) thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today (laughs) thank you for being inside of me (laughs) well not quite yet maybe just a little okay this is exciting how did we
2: meet was it not at yarvo yeah i'm sure it was at yarvo and autumns and you know we we sort of have friends in common we do but we don't we haven't talked a ton no we haven't really talked a ton but i see you around at those you're like that guy hi. that guy yeah we said hi to each other
0: did you think that when you saw me that guy i was like i was that guy no that guy. Yeah, i <laughs> never want to be that guy i think i there was times when i was that guy just trying to be but i don't go what do you mean like, that guy what do you, you mean you know when you go to a, a place and you're like some guy walks out and he's talking to people and and you're like
2: no, oh, that guy no you seem always very nice and normal you're not that guy uh, normal i take offense <laughs> i mean it as a compliment are you normal in the grand scheme of things i am normal yeah really yeah i, I in the sense that i don't think that i, I, f- I feel pretty together my I, you know i'm a pretty together person i'm normal in the sense that you can put me in most social situations and i'll be i won't weird people out is that is way. that
0: because of your family do you think you you get that a lot from your family or is it the opposite are your, is your family very warm? Are they very, you know, your upbringing, your developmental stage as a child, were you always outgoing? Were they outgoing? Do you think it reflects you now, who you are now?
2: My dad was very outgoing. My mom is is still very shy. I was very, very, very shy until college, like extremely, extremely shy. Like my, my family's shocked that I do what I do. My friends from high school are shocked, the few friends I had. I'm still in touch with – are shocked that I do what I do. I was very, very shy, and now I'm very outgoing.
0: I mean, how could the shyest guy in school growing up now be a huge stand-up comedian, actor on on one of the biggest shows, wrote and starred in your own movie? Yeah. I mean, that's going from the sublime to the ridiculous, my friend.
2: I think it's sort of like where you get energy from. Do you get energy from being alone, or do you get energy from other people? Other people. Yeah, and I think I still probably get energy from – it depends. Sometimes I need, need energy from being alone and from my wife, and then sometimes I do need energy from being around other people. So it's kind of both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what was childhood? Because like? you were born in
0: Pakistan. Yeah. Right? I mean, was that... Do you remember it a lot? How old were you when you moved? I was
2: 18 when I moved. So so, was, so you remember it. I do remember it. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah, would well, be horrible. Uh, I don't know what happened, uh, but I don't remember a fucking thing. <laughs> I don't want to go to a psychiatrist. I don't want to open this door.
0: Just, come on. We just want to know what happened yeah, the last I just, 18 years. I
2: remember waking up in Des Moines at the age of 19 and being <laughs> like, whoa. Now
0: that's a horror movie.
2: Yeah, that's a horror waking movie. Waking
0: up in Des Moines. That should be the title of your next movie, Waking Up in Des Moines. I did. Yeah,
2: yeah. What I do you mean, think of that
0: title? Isn't that a great title? Have you ever
2: been to Des Moines? I haven't. Mm-hmm. Do you like Des Moines? I don't really know Des Moines. I, I was in a small town in Iowa called Grinnell, but I, Des Moines was the, the 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 airport you fly into.
0: Now, Pakistan explain like what what it was sort of like growing up there and then moving to the states.
2: Well, so I grew up in Karachi, which is like the biggest city in Pakistan. It's like it's sort of like New York, but bigger. It's like 20 million 20 million Jeez. people. It's huge. So it was like, you know, I grew up in a very very urban city environment. Um, and that's still the environment I love. Like I kind of want to move back. To you New like York. the city life. Yeah, I want to move back to New York. Whenever I go to New York, I'm like, oh, this is. So- Why? Why? Why do you like big cities? I just like being surrounded by people like that and I just feel a lot more engaged like here. I'm okay now but when I first moved here it can be very easy to sort of disengage from life and just hang out in your house and then you get in a car and you're in your own bubble. You know, you're sort of like, it's very easy to retreat from society in LA whereas in New York you're forced to be around other people you got to take the subway you see all kinds of people I, when i was in new york i just felt very engaged and i was writing more than i ever wrote in my life i was just like always like really going whereas in la i have to fo- force myself to do that i feel lazy it out it's easy to get lazy it took me a little while to um figure out how to always be productive i, I, I think i figured it out but I had to put rules on.
0: But you know, for me is you know I live my whole family's from New York. I live. My dad lives in New York in Manhattan. In Manhattan, um, I lived in New York after college. But and I loved it. And I said I'd never move from New York, and then I moved and I hated LA for the first year or two. Then I found the friends. Then I found the places to be that to go to the hikes, all these. To me, when I'm in New York, I feel i'm claustrophobic Uh it's like you walk outside people people buses cars trash hot it's too fucking hot it's too fucking cold it's i call my dad and he's complaining about too hot too cold and i feel like winter is nine months long in new york i think things never end it just drives me crazy everybody's like well your parks well we go to central park there's a couple of Central. it to me it's too much like i like being in la so i could just Go to a park that's five minutes away. I could go to the beach. I could go
2: for a hike. I could do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I love L.A. too. It's definitely my second favorite place I've ever lived. Uh, and I and my wife definitely prefers L.A. because she's from like a small town in the south. So this is more her speed. But I just I understand that. I I didn't realize how stressful life was in New York until I moved to L.A. and it had been a few months and I was like, oh, that's what that feeling was on my shoulders all the time. But I do also like it. And the winter, you know, I lived in Chicago for many years. So that is brutal. New York winters are, I know it gets bad, but much easier than chicago chicago winters it's also you know chicago the public transportation system is not that good in the l the trains are like elevated so you're waiting like a half hour three stories up in the air with just like winds from lake michigan going right to your bones you know so new york winters i can handle we don't have hurricanes though in chicago does i mean but but how often is that an issue in new york it's just it's been a couple times recently
0: yeah. yeah one hurricane hits and he's just freaking out over it. well maybe two Three pop, maybe yeah. three three hurricanes.
2: When was that big one where everybody lost power? Like two, three years ago in New York? Uh I think my, it was before I think it was like four years ago. Yeah, my family lost uh what? All the there was like a big hurricane. They lost and their what? My, just power. Oh okay. They weren't I, fit
0: in that sounded like it was going in a bad
2: place. Yeah, i was gonna be very nonchalant. My brother died, but um <laughs> I'm fine with it. Haven't dealt with it yet. That was a bad 2011. hurricane. Two thousand eleven. That was a bad year. Yeah yeah uh but i do i do like it here i love i i do love living in la i have all my friends live here you know but but i when we lived in new york we had no money like zero money so i want to know what it's like to live in new york and be able to sort of afford living when you, you you and who when you and emily lived there yeah we moved there in 2007 and you had no money it was so so stressful how much was rent rent was like almost two thousand dollars and what were you doing to make money so Emily had a job Emily was a therapist then so she was she had a job that was you know paid very very little and I was kind of just doing open mics and stuff That's not it. making money so just like the movie just like the just movie
0: a, the big sick which I, I'm not you're here because first of all you, I like you and you're extremely talented but I, I tell I, I, James Gunn, and a couple of us were having dinner. I'm, I'm name dropping, but we're having dinner, and we were talking about the big sick is probably one of our favorite movies from last year. Oh, thank it's you. Like, it, it's like if not the best movie, and and you know, so you're you're when you watch that, you're like, okay, this is an amazing love story. It's an amazing, you know, it's like that that movie once you know it's just this amazing love, that movie. amazing love story that you don't see that it, it, and when, it, when it's real it's something special it's something that everybody can relate like they go oh my gosh this is real this is tangible this is not hollywood but how much was hollywood how much that
2: movie yeah how, i mean it was probably hard to keep it exactly how it happened it's not exactly how it happened but i will say that all the parts in the important ways it is very very shocking emotionally but but even in emotionally yes, but also in the stuff that happens, it is pretty shockingly close to what happened. If anything, we like in real life, you know, Ray too Romano's
0: much. Emily's father. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> I mean, we changed the characterizations of some of the people, but the events are pretty close. A lot of the scenes between Emily and I are pretty much from our life, uh, from us like hanging out together. The way we met in the movie, she heckles me. That is how we met. Um, so, so it's pretty shocking how close it is. But then, you know, you got to like structure it as a movie and you take out things that don't make sense and you add in things. What about your parents? I mean, were your parents sort of like, did they like how you, they were portrayed? It's a complicated question. Uh, my dad loves the movie. My mom loves it, but I think probably has a little bit more of a complicated relationship with it. Because in watching the movie, I, I think she saw herself the way I saw her during all of that. Which
0: was a little bit too strict.
2: Well, you know, and and I understand, honestly, in writing the movie and writing my mom's lines, I understood her perspective for the first time. Like having to write her as a character and get inside her head made me see uh, her perspective a lot, lot more intimately. Um, I completely understand her point of view. Did
0: you ever call her up and go, "Hey, I wrote this line tonight. Um, I just want to see if you'd say it. Like, would you actually say this line?"
2: Well, a lot of her lines were actually taken from stuff she said. She actually visited set, and there's a little, there's like a little funny scene. Um, and while we were shooting it, I heard my mom laughing really hard in the other room. She ruined the take, and I was like, "Mom, what's going on?" She's like, "We had that conversation." I'm like. Oh yeah, that is right. Like, you know, cause it took us so many years to write it. I sort of forgot. I was like, oh yeah, this scene is a conversation that my mom and I had.
0: Jeez. All right. So take me back, man. Take me back to Pakistan. You're a shy kid. You're, uh, I mean, what are you doing in grade school and high school? Were you uh
2: miss or still? Were you just shy? Were you smart? I was smart. I always got good grades. I studied a lot and I watched a lot of movies and played a lot of video games. There were like years of my life where I watched a movie every day. I go to the rental store, get seven movies, watch a movie every day. Why do you think you did that? Was it escape? Was it something in the back of your head that was like, I want to do this? Was it even? I don't think doing it was part of, I did that did not seem like a possibility. You know, you watch these movies. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing is like you watch these movies and you think these people are like, gods and then you, you 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 start doing it and you're like oh they're just people who like worked really hard or whatever you know it's uh it's exciting I just loved movies and I loved video games and I think part of it was escape I think I was pretty I was pretty well adjusted I just didn't like school at all and I just was kind of a loner and I just loved I loved watching movies. I loved movies.
0: Like you had no friends, or you just have one guy that you remember that you used to hang out with. I
2: always only had like two or three friends that I was pretty close with. Do you ever talk to them now? I, I haven't seen them in a, in many 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 years, but they got back in touch with me. Sort of, you know, in high school, the the three or four friends I had, they got back in touch with me, and now I I text with them all the time. But I haven't seen those guys in in many 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 years. How would you feel seeing them again? I'm excited to see them again. You would? I want to. Yeah, because you know, high school was pretty rough for me, uh, but those guys were great. Why was it rough? I just got bullied a lot. You did? Yeah, and I was the kid. I was pretty shy, but up until like um, 11th grade. So we have like 13 grades over there, basically. So up until the 11th grade, I was like the nerdy kid that wasn't on anybody's radar. And when, they, when I was on their radar, like generally people liked me even the bad kids like liked me but i was mostly invisible which was fucking perfect and then i went to a different school my last two years and i was not invisible and it was pretty pretty awful and uh and i mean did they physically assault you no just emotional violence it was really pretty bad well give me an example what, what would you go through Like the worst one was probably there was a kid I've told this story before, but there was a kid who sort of was a friend. We'd sort of become friends. Like he was a he'd been at that school longer, and I would help him with his homework and stuff. So he knew where I lived. And then one day, like I was home alone, and there was a my doorbell rang, and I opened it, and it was that guy. And then a car pulled up, and all the bullies from high school were there, and they threw eggs at me and my house. So this guy who was my friend kind of sold me out to like the cool kids, and they're like, (sighs) and then I had to like clean the eggs off my clothes and off the driveway before my parents got home, so I wouldn't have to explain to them what was going on. Because you're embarrassed, yeah. And I was like seventeen years old, you know. I'm like, I'm not a little kid. Like it's fucking embarrassing to have eggs on your clothes when you're seventeen. How do you deal with it? I mean, did you did you cry? I didn't cry. I just was destroy did you those. think of killing them did you honestly think i'm gonna find a way to kill them not kill them but i do still dislike them very intensely i'll run into people who are like hey i know this guy and i'm like what was it <sighs> i, I think know. you thought of killing them i don't think i thought i, I wanted, would have you i would say to, that now i wanted to beat them up real bad Did you want them to die i but wanted not... i wanted them to be humiliated death was too easy i wanted them i wanted everything to be taken from them right yeah and it was for no reason i mean it sucks that they'd never paid for it (laughs) they're like they're they they did let me tell you something they're probably living karma is a
0: bitch my friend i think that was in the movie uh the last boy scout
2: is that right
0: did he say yeah karma's a bitch or life's a bitch look it up Um, that's rob's here have you seen have you talked to rob yet hey rob how's it going Good, rob from chicago rob yep. from chicago see i'm a good listener rob's a, he's a, he's a, he's together can you just tell this guy's together can yeah you, do look, you
2: feel together
0: no you don't what do you mean um oh man you stumped me here i i i think it's i'm striving to be together i think that you're not no one's ever perfectly together right but I, when you st- i'm missing things in my life Okay, sure. I'd like to find someone I can enjoy life with all the time. Sure. Not just Rob or some friends or, you know. I know what you mean. My assistant, Jess, who I pay to be my friend. I have a good life. I do fun things. I do great things. I think I'm a good person. Yeah. But am I together? No. There's certain things I do that I'm like, why don't you do that? Or why don't you enjoy that more? Why can't you be more present here? Why are you distracted? Why Why can't you just let things go yeah why can't you just be and that's all part of zen and shit and i
2: and i i don't know are you together am i together i feel fairly together i certainly have uh times where i feel unmoored and floaty like last year there was a lot you know it was great our movie came out and it did really well and it's 40 million dollars last year right yeah Biggest independent movie of the year it made you know we made it for five and it made like 42 million or whatever did you have a piece of that we didn't really make a lot of money on it but that's okay the people who took the risk well you're not living in a you know worrying about rent in new york now no 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 okay i'm doing okay but you have another show from that that movie yeah we didn't really do much money but that's okay the the producers and the money people are the ones who took a risk and we got to you know have our dreams come true absolutely pretty great
0: inside of you is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are
1: doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of
0: everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted, Whole body approach.
1: While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrifol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy.
0: In Nutrifol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrifol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrifol women's hair growth supplement for six months.
1: While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrifol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy.
0: In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com
1: for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific
0: possible root causes.
1: With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol
0: is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code inside. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off, and use code INSIDE at checkout for an
1: additional off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase.
2: I feel pretty together, but I do know that it's something that takes intention. Being together isn't something that I just am. I just, I know that I have to work at it and be aware of my pitfalls and the things that, um, Make me feel not together. So, so, I, so I have to have the things in place that allow me to feel together. Structure. Yeah, I'm big on structure. So my 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 days are unless I'm working, which obviously imposes its own structure. But if I if I'm not currently working, I do have to have structure. Yeah, I have a schedule. What day. kind of schedule would that be? So I wake up in the morning. What time? Generally, I like to be up right around eight. But now, how many hours do you need? Seven. Seven hours a sleep. I do need seven. But if I'm like right now, I'm probably waking up a little bit later, like 8.39, and I'm not too hard on myself over that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I have to, you know? I mean, when I first moved to New York, I didn't have a job, and Emily had a job, and my life was a mess. I'd be up till 4 or 5 a.m. playing video games. It was... Did she... I mean, yeah, she probably... She was like, what are you doing? I'm like, we, we actually... Sort of had to readjust our relationship and I had to readjust my life because of our time in New York pretty directly. I had to impose strict rules on my life. We came up with rules for our life, which are uh, pretty surprising for people. What are those rules? So the one rule that we have that is pretty surprising is... Still. Yeah, still, is Emily and I go to bed at the same time wow yeah every day what if you have to learn lines for silicon valley so if i have to be up at 4 a.m i'm going to bed at 7 30 and she'll go with you yeah and it, you know it used to be good for her because she had a day job and i didn't so i'd be going to bed at you know 11 p.m and now she pays for it but it's it's a rule that we've had for we've been married 11 years and we've had this rule Probably about what was it? Two thousand nine, like eight or nine years. Right? That's incredible. Could
0: you imagine, Rob? When you go to bed, Natalie goes to bed. You join her.
1: We go to bed around the same time. Ugh.
2: Obviously, there are you know if I, like I'm out or we we usually go out together. But if I'm out and she's home, but but I would say ninety percent ninety five percent ninety eight percent if you said to me when was the last time you didn't go to bed at the same time i don't think i could come up with it this is this is remarkable
0: to imagine that where you're like oh my gosh i want to see this new movie tonight it's on netflix i'm gonna watch and she's like oh, i'm really tired yeah then oh i guess i'm not watching that movie yeah or you watch it while she sleeps
1: no,
2: In bed. no, you have to sleep, right? No, no. no watching. watch yes, the rule you're going to bed at the no, same time? No, if I was like, I'm going to watch something on my iPad, it would be okay, but I've never done that. I don't like to watch movies on computers or iPads. I want to watch it on my TV.
0: This doesn't mean you'll make love every night.
2: No, this doesn't bed. mean that we yeah, make love every night. That'd be crazy. Could you no. imagine? Because no, it's no like... yeah, sometimes we just fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh. Well, this is what it is, right? So our relationship is very important to us and it's the most important thing in my life. It's it's the thing that's most important to me and that allows me to do everything else that I'm able to do that I feel very lucky to be able to do. It is the thing that allows me to do that. And so we were like, you know, relationship isn't something that just happens. A relationship requires work and it requires constant intentionality. And so we talk about our relationship a lot and we've had to adjust it. You go to therapy at all? No. No therapy. Have you ever gone to therapy? I've never gone to therapy. Really? Yeah. It's per- I mean, listen, I need. I know I should go, but I, I know that there are certain things I need to work on. But Emily was a therapist, so it's not like she's my therapist. Does she let you know it, though? Like, I know this. This is the behavior of... Oh, yeah. Like, in the beginning, you know, when we were dating, I would get angry and not know why. And she'd be like, you're not angry at me because of this. You're angry at this other thing. And I'm like... Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. Living with her, being in a relationship with her has really made me understand myself in ways that I never understood myself. Um, and obviously there's work to be done, but she really. And then, of course, you know, if we're in fights and she's like, you're doing this. And I'm like, don't fucking psychoanalyze me. And I hate it because I know she's right. Really? Um, but, yeah, so we had to sort of put in rules to to just make sure that our relationship was strong. And What's good. another rule? Um, Nothing as big as
0: that. Nothing can top that rule of I mean, that's a big one. That's a big one, man.
2: I don't know anyone who has that rule, and I don't know anyone who isn't surprised or shocked when they hear that rule. But it's not rule rules like, hey, I'm going to uh, snort a line of Coke tonight, so you have to. No, but we generally <laughs> – <laughs> that would be a good rule. <laughs> I mean, another rule that is a work rule because we do work together is that – because it can become very easy to just have your work life and your – Your love life sort of flow into each other and you don't want to do that. So a rule we have is that if we're working on something together, you know, so we're like writing something together, you know, if we're hanging out and watching a movie and I get an idea for it, I have to ask her permission to bring it up. I have to be like, hey, can we talk about work stuff? And if she says no, then that... You have to hold on to that thought. It's non-negotiable. I'll write it down. Yeah. So you
0: get mad or no, there's no getting mad. You just don't do it. You just don't do it. We've had that rule for... Not as long as the sleep has it ever been implemented in a way like you're like, I got this
2: idea, and you're like, Sorry, or did it come because you did it too much? It came because I did it too much, was it? And it was you, it was me because you were always coming up with things. Well, because Emily's very good at boundaries, and I'm not, I get obsessed if I'm writing or something, I think about it all day, every day. My life is that, whereas Emily. Is very good. First of all, at multitasking, she she can like switch gears. She can work on multiple things at the same time, and she's very good at like. All right, it's six p.m. I'm not gonna check my email anymore, and I am gonna. This is me time. Really, six p.m. No more emails. I'm not good like that. I'm like at ten p.m. texting. If I'm like working on a movie coming up, I'm texting the director at ten p.m. But I, I I'm not good at those boundaries. She's very good at that. I get very obsessed with the things I'm working on, and I can't stop. Whereas she's just got a more, she's got a more healthy relationship to work than I do. You
0: know, maybe that's uh, an important thing to do. Maybe after six o'clock,
2: I turn my phone off. Well, you know, you still want to talk to your friends and stuff. Maybe yeah, you still but...
0: need to use Tinder.
2: I'm not on Tinder. Or what are you on? Well, I have
0: one,
1: one dating app.
2: Raya. Uh, yeah, that's right. Fuck both of you.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: look, I don't even know why I'm on it because it doesn't even work.
1: But if you want right? to date Michael, go
0: on Raya. No. Uh, look, if you want to date Michael and we connect on Raya, I would say, you know, if I say, hey, how's it going? Respond. Why the fuck are you on Raya? You know, these people, you respond, you know, and you connect. And nobody ever responds.
2: Everybody's too cool. You have to play a game. We're on an app. You connected. Connect. The whole point of the app is that you don't play the game. Be direct. These fucking jokers. If you want to talk? Let's talk. If you want to hang out, let's hang out. Let's see what it is. Yeah. You just hit a nerve. Can you see that? I am so sorry. Well, you, well, you didn't do it on purpose, but it, it
0: really, when I think about that, it's just like it's garbage. People are garbage. It's like you know, if you don't connect with someone, right? Or immediately delete me, right? Just delete me,
2: or just be like, you know what?
0: I don't change my mind. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, I, I changed through, my mind i looked at your
2: instagram you're an idiot
0: <laughs> i changed yeah well you're that's... in your underwear i don't like your physique it's gonna be
2: so strange now to date you're lucky every, you can like google and find out everything about the person this is why
0: i'm not together yeah Now, this is why i'm not together
2: i'm sorry you're married rob here's 29 and married and a kid you have a kid a mm-hmm. little almost two-year-old and you love this kid yeah, he's pretty great. <laughs> you love this. And kid. how does he feel about you? You're growing on him.
1: Uh, I mean, he's still kind of a little blob, but yeah, he likes me.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're getting inside Rob. Cool. That you guys su- having a kid soon? Uh, no, we don't have kids. Do you want a kid? I don't know. How old are you?
0: I'm 40. That's that's not old.
2: I don't know if I want a kid. I just feel like we uh, we really like our lives. Um. And I don't know if we're, like, really looking to change that right now. Because we we just have a good time. I don't know. I like that. I've never really, like... You know, when I was a kid, the things I loved or when I thought of my life, I always assumed I'd have a kid. But then when I really thought about it, it wasn't really something that was important to me. That doesn't mean I won't have a kid. And obviously, hopefully then it will be important to me. Mm-hmm. But... I, yeah, you don't want to have a kid and be like, oh, God, huge mistake. Your dad talking about not wanting me five years
0: ago. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I want to go back for a second. Yeah. You got eggs thrown at you. You were bullied. You feel horrible. You're cleaning up the mess. You don't want your parents to come and find this to, to see how weak you are.
2: Yes, or how you know, embarrassed, embarrassed you are. Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: So how, if you can, how do you go from a 17-year-old kid who's smart, sort of a loner, has a couple of friends... Is bullied. How do you get? I mean, moving to the States changed your life, right? If you were there, if you stayed, you're
2: not here right now, right? No, 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 not at all. I would probably be a doctor or something like that. I would probably be a doctor. Yeah, coming to the States.
0: When did you find out? Do you remember the day your dad said, hey, that what? Well,
2: why'd you move to the States? Oh, I moved alone for college. I didn't Oh, you just moved. I just moved. I thought maybe
0: your family moved.
2: My family came here much later. Much, much later? Yeah, like 10 years later. So you decided to move to the States when you were going to go to college. Where, where'd you go to college? Uh, it's a small school called Grinnell College in Grinnell, Iowa. What made you go there? First of all, I didn't know how big America was and how many different kinds of cities there are. You watch movies. It's all New York or L.A. And you're like, oh, America like a big city. Yeah, but you pick Rommel. Well, I show up and I was like, this is not the America that I was advertised. Right. Not that it's bad. Not that it's bad, but it's very different. I thought truly all of America was the same. It's absurd how big this country is. It's absurd that all of this is one country. No, no wonder we have problems. How many people are in Pakistan? It's like, a, it's 20 million there. It's like, I think it's like 50 million. What is it? What's the 193.2 oh. million? Yeah, okay. we have 350 million. 300. So
0: we huge. We're bigger. Yeah,
2: yeah, but you're also much yes, bigger, yes, you're bigger geographically. Yes, true. And politically, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I moved to America and I went to college. And I, it was just the first time. I don't think I was a person until then. Like, I, I, I wasn't a person until I was. 20 and that's when i realized that i was funny and that people were interested in things i had to say i never when had that did you feeling. find
0: out you were funny or when did you discover where
2: in college what happened that made you go
0: wait a minute something's different here
2: i was just like making f- fun of something and i remember my friends were laughing so hard they couldn't like they were just like couldn't they couldn't talk their tears down were their they face. stoned no and i remember being like Hey, this is pretty great. It's like a superpower. <laughs> and that's when I realized I was like, oh, I am funny. And people would be like, you know, Kamal's, he's the funny one. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know that. And it was really, really exciting to finally, if you had told me before the age of 19, describe yourself, I wouldn't be able to describe myself in any way other than. I don't even know if I would say shy because I didn't even know what I was. You I, just were. I just was a blob. You know, I, I never felt like a person until oh. uh, until I'd been in America a couple of years. And, and honestly, the people I was surrounded by were like so nice and kind and interested. I just had not had the feeling of someone being interested in anything I had to say until I was probably 20 years old.
0: That is beautiful and sad. It is, and I understand that. Yeah, because I went through it. I'm sure. You, where did you, you grew up in New I grew York? Up, no, it, well, I was born I grew, born in New York. I grew up in Indiana, but I, I understand the sense that I wasn't like. I mean, no one threw eggs. Well, I mean, not eggs, but you know, I I just remember going. I what do I have to offer? What I'm lost in the crowd here. I don't fit in anywhere. And it wasn't until I went to college, till I was about twenty. That I started to realize also that, um, wow, my friends, like they're like, you're funny. Listen to him do this impression. Listen to this guy. Yeah. He's funny. So I had to find a kind of channel that. What am I doing with this kind of- And
2: then you had success pretty early on. How old
0: were you? No, you... I, I graduated college in 95. I went to New York and I, I got like this independent movie in like 97. And then I started to get some success in 98. So I was like 26- Three years though—that's pretty quick.
2: Pretty no, no,
0: after college, yeah, three years after college. But I stayed an extra year in college because I wasn't that bright. But um, what I'm saying is, up till college, like you, I I didn't know. Yeah, I was done.
2: I mean, 26 is early, of course, but it's not that early. I mean, some people have their lives changed at Justin Bieber, 20. Well, I mean, that's a special Special case. But I see, you know, you sort of around people and you see someone who's like. 20 or 21 and suddenly become a huge star and that's going to be weird.
0: So what do you say to people who are like lost? There's a lot of people in high school that are just meandering through life. Just saying, go, what's going to happen to me? I always try to say, hey, hang on. You're yeah. like, do I go to college? I'm like, yes. Not because of you. It's to figure, to grow up a little more. Figure to out who chance. you
2: are, you know? And it's very, it's, I know. I, 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 I'm sure there are people who are struggling through high school. And when I had that, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to be over. Like I wasn't looking forward to graduation as like, thank God. God, I'm, I'm out, here. out of here. I wasn't thinking of it like that. Oh. I was like this feeling that, because you understand that you're not going to be around these people your whole life, but I, I don't think I understood that this feeling would go away at some point. I thought that life was feeling like this. I oh. did not think, I did not connect the way I felt directly with the way these people were making me feel. I felt like I deserve to feel like this. And if it's not these people making me feel like this, doesn't mean I won't be feeling like this. Like this is what it's going to be. It's going to be, you're going to be alone. You're not going to know who you are. Nobody's going to give a shit about you. And that every moment is going to be pretty (sighs) useless and, and painful. And I wouldn't say I was depressed. I never felt like that. I, I feel, I feel lucky that I, that that's not something that I've had to deal with, but I, that feeling of being unwanted and useless and not being good at anything and not knowing what you want to do. I never felt like that would go away, you know. And the the great thing is it will. It and can. it will go away. Yes. It will go away. Like, listen, if you have bullies in high school, I don't know how to fight back through that. I, I, I don't. I have no advice for you there. Fight it's back by succeeding. By just just figuring out who you are yes. and figuring out what you want to do. You may not be able to defeat them in high school. I certainly wasn't. Figure out what you like and what you want to do, and and try and stick with it. It's hard. I mean, you know, I was i I started doing comedy in two thousand one, end of two thousand one, and I didn't get my first job that paid me money in comedy until two thousand eight. So it was seven years. Which but So college, you started doing stand-up around that time? My, my freshman, my uh, my senior year was the first time. I do you did remember the thing.
0: first time you went up? Did oh, people, yeah. were, were they
2: encouraging you? Like, you got to go do it. You got to go do it. Oh my God. The first time I went up is to this day, maybe the best set I've ever had. Are you serious? Yeah. I was, uh, um, I just sort of got obsessed with stand-up, you know? So I, I realized I was funny. My friends realized, were like, you're funny i got upset obs- i'd never really seen stand-up and i got obsessed with stand-up i watched so much stand-up. who are you watching who are your idols so i loved um i loved jerry seinfeld loved him i really really loved zach Alphanakis. oh geez. um really loved this guy mitch Hedberg, who has since passed mitch away Hedberg has one of the best lines he goes rice is a great snack if you're ever in the mood <laughs> for 2000 of something yeah he's the
1: best oh, he man was funny,
2: yeah Love him, love Stephen Wright. There's a guy named Jake Johansson who's really, really, really funny. Who was a big reason why. Star. And Conan, I mean, dude, I I watched that late night the Conan show and him and Andy and being obsessed with it. And uh, so those are the people and Beavis and Butt Head. Uh, those <laughs> are the, good. I, I love Beavis and Butt Head. I, I just, do too. I just was like I'd never seen comedy like that. And same with Conan, watching like the weird. I realized. I used to do sketch comedy on Conan when I first went to New
0: York or I, within like How? a year. Really? I did like this this character called the Amsterdam Kids. They were misinformed about Amsterdam's liberal social policies. And I did like <laughs> six – we were characters that didn't make the show. But then they liked us enough and they kept bringing us back. And so we'd make like 600 bucks and go – I was like, oh my god, I'm making like money to be on Late Night This – Conan show before how, it was
2: and how great is that who were you who were the other people in the sketch
0: nobody really but my manager represented a bunch of nobodies like uh, I think maybe it was Chappelle <laughs> oh nobody's I mean,
2: like David Chappelle I'm kidding
0: I'm, you know, he, but he was like he, I think Louis C.K. and Mitch Hedberg and those were his clients and me I was like an actor and I, you know he didn't but he was like I want to represent you how but great I, but I remember going to see those stand up comedians at, in New York uh, back when those but,
2: guys Chappelle and Louis yeah, and all those yeah things. Yeah, so I got really, really obsessed with stand-up, and I watched so much of it, like good stuff. What was your first set? How long? That's another crazy thing. I did like fucking 25 minutes the first time I got on stage. Were you just improvising? No, no, no. I wrote it all down. I still write down all my stand up. So it's never improvised. You always have a set like you don't. I'll go off the script now all the time, all the time, all the time. But I always go on with something that I have written down word for word and then try and forget it on stage. I write a lot on stage, but I don't go up on stage like, oh, I'll just talk about this. I won't choose to do that sometimes i'll go on and think of something and just go off um but but i always i write out my whole joke so i wrote out so so what happened was junior year i'm i sort of have this i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life i'm freaking out you know it's a year left your parents are asking you what was going on there yeah yeah and i sort of studied you know i studied philosophy and i studied computer science and the assumption was i would go into computer science Programming And I was no good at it. And it gave me nothing. And I kind of was really going through an existential crisis in in college being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then there was an open mic, this friend of mine who was a year older than me started doing these comedy open mics at this coffee shop on campus. And I went and watched it. And it was just like, he was really funny. And everybody was really funny. It was like four or five people. You just sign up and do it. And the crowd was packed. And I was like, my friends were like, you should try it. And I was like, I have to try it. It was that thing where it just hurt to not try it. I I just. How scared were you? Terrified. But my fear was only slightly less than my need to try it. It just, I just could not not try. I had no choice. I like what you just said. What your fear was only slightly less than your need to do it. I really—that's. I had no option. I truly had no option. And you remember going up? I remember. So I so I wrote down all these jokes. You know, I had like I wrote a bunch of jokes. I I was sort of again. I was obsessed with it. So I was just like all the time, just writing, writing, writing. What was your
0: first joke?
2: The first I, thing you said. I remember one of my first jokes was I, I wanted to be a, a scientist and I wanted to have a unit of measurement named after myself because all the cool scientists have them, you know, like Jules, Newton, Mister Kilometer. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted something cool, you know, like I wanted like turn the torpedoes up to five Nanjiani, <laughs> like five Nanjianis. That's way too much. <laughs> Most people can't handle one Nanjiani. Oh, that was like it. my that's first. Good. that was like my first joke that's funny um and uh i did like 25 minutes i i I worked on it and how did you feel i felt like a fucking god did you feel right i felt like i true i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it i was terrified i went on stage and i did my whole thing and i fucking crushed it's all listen it's all my friends it's very supportive this is like the best environment the coffee shop is packed I sort of became I, I was still like pretty shy so I wasn't like a celebrity on campus but people every now and then be like hey you did that thing like I remember this guy who was uh, in the he was a baseball player he was a very nice guy but he was like this jacked huge baseball player and I was like I'd done it once and I was sitting in and doing homework and he was like hey you did that he's like you're so funny I was like thank you he's like how many times have you done it and I was like once he was like that was your first time and I was like yeah he's like Holy shit, man. You got to you got to keep doing it. Um and I I remember getting off stage and feeling really cocky and feeling like oh, I found something. I know I can be good at. I like I knew immediately at that point I was like I know there's a lot of work to do. I don't know if I'll ever be successful. I don't know where this goes, but I found something that I know I can be good at that I want to, that is exciting to me. Do you know the first time, do you remember the first time you bombed? I do remember the first was time. Was it the next time? Nope. <laughs> so I did it that, you know, so this this thing would happen once a semester, right? So I did that. I did the, my, my first semester senior year, I did this 25-minute set, killed top to bottom. It was, and I'm not being cocky, it, it was a very supportive environment, but it really, really, you know, It could not have gone better. I remember there was this like really cute girl who worked at the coffee shop who was like way out of my league. And I saw her laughing and I was like, okay, this is new. This feeling is great. (laughs) So then the next semester, right before I graduate, I do it again. I write another 20 minutes, completely different. It goes really well again. Uh, not as good as the first time, but but but, good. but but really, really good, you know? So in one year, I'd done it twice. And at that point, I was like, I got to move to a place where I got to try this. I don't know if I'm going to be successful with this, but I got to keep going. So I moved to Chicago because I knew, you know, the people that I really looked up to, like Bill Murray and... Will Ferrell. Yeah. Every, I mean, you know, now it's like Carell and Colbert and Tina Fey and everybody's from Chicago. So I moved there, and I remember I opened the Chicago Reader, which is like sort of the local hip, read you know newspaper, and looked at open mics and just sort of went up, went out, and just signed up for open mics and started doing open mics, and that was like a really good. I mean, when I started, dude, these are the people who where started comedy around me in Chicago. It was, um, do you know, like Hannibal Burris? Do you know him? Mm -hmm. Him and I started uh, around the same time. Uh, TJ Miller started around the same time. Uh, Pete Holmes started around the same time. This guy, Kyle Kinane, who's like super fucking funny. He's like one of the funniest guys in the world. He started around the same time. So we had this like crazy crew of people and we would perform to empty crowds. And there was a comedy club in town. And so I've been doing it for like two, three, four months and I hadn't had a bad set yet. And I'd sort of gotten in with these comedians and things were going really well. I was sort of like the new funny guy, you know. And I was I was writing all the time and I was doing really well and and then I got to do a guest set at the comedy club. It's called Zanies. So that was Zanies. Like, you know Zanies? I know Zanies, yeah. It's a great club. Um did you ever go to Zanies, Rob? Yeah. Do you yeah, know where to it is? Sh- I used to shoot a lot of comedy. Yeah, at like up and yeah, I've shot Hannibal and Kyle there. Where? At Up Comedy Club at Second City. Oh Up. Yeah, that was that was at, that started after I left. Yeah, I've yeah. done it since then. It's a great space. So Zanies, you, you go there and you think you've
0: got confidence, you've been killing it, you 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 have-
2: yeah, and I was... Was, I it got packed? It, was it packed? It was packed. I got a 10-minute guest set in front of someone I don't remember who it is. But there's a headliner, and I got a 10-minute guest set. That's like an audition spot. And I'm not, I'm not cocky at this point. Are you each, nervous? Each time going up for me is very nerve-wracking still. Still. It's still nerve-wracking. But I'm doing well on stage. But it's... I don't mean... Today, it's not nerve-wracking, but at that point, it was nerve-wracking. And it was nerve-wracking for years and years. I didn't stop being nervous to go on stage until just a few years ago. Um, so I'd be nervous every time. So I'm nervous, I go on stage, and I do my... At this point, I just have like 10 minutes. That's everything I have. So all the college stuff, I've tried it. Very little of it works out outside. I have 10 minutes that work. So I've got like, I know where I'm starting. Two minutes is killer. Then I got other stuff. Then I know the last two minutes is killer. You know, like that's how it's structured. And the middle stuff is good. It works, but I know where to start. Kill them in the beginning, kill them in the end. Yeah. So I go on and I do my killer killer stuff in the beginning. And it's just not working. I'm not like bombing at this point, but I am not doing as well as I'm used to doing. Is your heart beating? My heart's beating. I start sweating. My ears get hot. I could see all their faces looking at me. And I see that... I don't, and I don't know if I'm putting this on them, or or if in my head they're nervous in my head, I could see that they're thinking why is this guy on stage? I could see in my head oh. that they're thinking why does this guy deserve to be on stage? He's not good at this. He doesn't deserve to be on that stage. What is he doing on that oh, stage? Boy. And I I could see that on their face. How debilitating is that? So I do the first two minutes, and every moment is a gut punch. I do the first two minutes, and I don't have them. And so immediately I go, all right, I got to go to my strongest. So then I go to my last two minutes, and I do that, and I don't have them. And I've at this point, I've done all the best shit I have. And now you have your middle shit. I have my middle shit <laughs> for six minutes, and I know I got to do it. I know I got to be on stage because if you go short... No laughs? Very few laughs? Very few laughs. I bet if I look back on it now... It was better than you thought. I bet it was better than I thought, but I remember... And I'm just on stage and I've got six minutes left and I'm just going through my material and I could just see their faces. They're eating, they're drinking, they're just looking at me like... They're looking at me like, why did he think he could do this? Why does he think he can he can do this and
0: that either gets you incredibly motivated
2: or it makes you just say fuck i'll never do this again oh my god dude well this is what happens i finish it i get off stage i leave the place it might have been honestly it might have been opening for like richard lewis or someone i don't know he wasn't there he didn't watch richard lewis would always wait in the car outside until the MC introduced him did you like richard lewis I don't really know his stuff that well, so I can't really, I can't. Yeah, really who's to say, everybody likes people for, you know, for different reasons. Yeah. Let's just say that. I don't really, uh, I don't really, not, not too familiar with his work. I knew who he was. He's right. Famous. So you walk off. I walk off, I go home, and I'm like, I have to get on stage immediately to get rid of that. Like, I I was like, I cannot wait to get back on stage and have that not be the last now And when did you go back on stage? Probably, if it wasn't the next day, it was the day after that. It was pretty soon. It was not that day. That day, I went home and I like cried. I, 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 dude, I, numb. You're numb. I was, no, I wasn't numb. I was feeling it. I didn't cry, but I was devastated. I was awful. But the good thing was, by that point, I'd probably been on stage 35 to 40 times. So I knew just intellectually, I wasn't like, I'm a fraud. I was like, okay, so that's 40 good ones and one bad one. Got to get rid of the bad one. So then so then I uh yeah, got up back on stage, did well. And then and then obviously since then I've bombed many times, but after that first one and then doing well the next time, I understood like, oh, this is part of it. There are going to be sets you do that aren't going to be good, and that doesn't mean you're not a good stand-up, but your job is to make sure that minimize those and and you can still bomb but the 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 floor goes up the worst set you can have goes up uh and hopefully you have them less often and i remember there was this message board in chicago this was early 2000s that like all the comedians would go to and and post like just shit about chicago like i got a new show coming i watch this or there's a good open mic here or mostly just people fucking fighting with each other but I wrote this long post about how it felt to, like, bomb. And, uh, and I remember a lot of comedians sort of were supportive. And that was really, really helpful. Um, wow. Yeah. It was a very supportive crew. Like, because we didn't really play to big audiences generally, and we didn't really do that comedy club that much, we were sort of trying to make each other laugh and it was a real emphasis on being original and having a point of view that's what was important um, like if you were hack you would get it was pretty merciless so we so so I so I think that's kind of why so many great comedians came from that little point in time because um, because I think we really you know pushed each other to to try and find our our voice we didn't do it for a long time but we knew from the beginning that that's what and was. then you moved to new york and then i moved to, and then uh basically so i did i was doing stand-up in chicago and um you know you sort of get to do the best shows pretty quickly and i was spinning my wheels like the plan was be in chicago for two years then go to new york get a set get an hour-long set is that what you were aiming at yeah, but but it, I wasn't even thinking of it like that because even in New York, if you even if you're doing really well, you don't get an hour long set for a while. I hadn't really didn't really have a plan beyond just move to New York and do stand up. So the plan was two years. I stayed for six years in Chicago, and those were probably when I look back on like my career, that was probably the most static time. That was probably the worst time for me was the last three years in Chicago where I was doing the same shows, just going out with my buddies. It was fun, but I just was kind of stuck and spinning my wheels. And I didn't realize until much later that I was just scared of trying to take it to the next level, you know? But you know what broke me out of my malaise was the stuff that happens in the big sick. I met this girl. I fell in love with her without knowing it. She got really, really, really sick. And that was where? that was in chicago that was in chicago right yeah
0: i forgot it was i didn't remember city i just remember
2: dude and you don't think of it like you know when something like that happens you don't think of it like oh uh life is fleeting and uh we all are mortal and we have to live our lives and figure out what we want to do and you got to do it right now and seize the moment you don't think of it like that but within her after her waking up within three months we, I, we had changed completely everything about our lives within three months of that we had gotten married secretly I had quit my job she had quit her job and we had both moved to New York for me to like try and make it in comedy okay, within
0: three months I mean this is, and it's such an effed up story so is it true that she heckles you one night and you sleep with her the same night
2: no that didn't happen then that happened in the movie yes that yeah. happens in the movie but in real life she heckled me and I was like oh my god that girl's really cute and I looked for her at the show afterwards and she was gone she was so embarrassed she left then a couple days later i run into her at another place um and then you had sex at a bar no okay i was like you heckled me and it's the same conversation that's in the movie pretty much and i write my you know i write her name in urdu which was my move at the time
0: okay so you got her number you started talking
2: we start talking how
0: many dates what do you mean how many how many times did you go out before she got sick
2: oh we were together for a few months for a few months yeah
0: you were in love
2: yeah but i didn't know it and we didn't say that to each other right Um,
0: and then you find out she gets sick right
2: so she gets sick most people would run
0: most people would be like you know i wasn't even i don't know what that was again
2: i did not feel like i had a choice uh how so you did a couple of months probably about eight months we had been dating so we've been dating for a while um And she just was sick, and um, but I didn't even think she was that sick. It was just like a flu that wouldn't go away, you know. And she also likes to hide it, so she didn't let on how sick she was. And then I remember there was a day where um, she was just going to the doctor in the afternoon, and I was at work. And uh, I just kept calling her to be like, how did the doctor's appointment go? How did the appointment go? And I couldn't get in touch with her, and I did this show, and I remember freaking out what's going on. And she finally texted me and she was like, I'm in the emergency room. And I went there that night and she said that she'd gone to the doctor and the doctor called an ambulance and sent her to the hospital. She was that sick. And I hung out with her that night and she was like awake. And the next morning the doctor came and put her in a coma. And I remember I watched them put her in the coma. It's it's like not good. If if I hope you're never in a position... or someone you know is being put in a medically induced coma. But if you are in a position where that's going to happen, do not be there for it. Do not watch it because they won't remember it because the medication that they use to put you in a medically induced coma gives you amnesia. You know, it is just, you don't want to watch it because it's very violent. The body really fights it. She they really fight it. She really fought it. it was it terrifying? Yeah, they like tied her down. And and they, you know, it's... Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't be there for that. You can still remember exactly what it was like. And they don't give a shit because they do so many of these. So they weren't like, hey, turn away. I just watched them do it. Anyway, and I remember... And
0: you said you loved her at this point?
2: No. But I remember seeing her laying there when, when the... Thing was over and she was in her coma and the doctors had left i remember specifically seeing her in that coma laying there and being like if she comes out of this we're gonna get married i remember that was one of the first thoughts i had um why? i know it sounds a little creepy because no 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 it almost made me cry yeah Absolutely. but it really i remember seeing her like that and being like if she comes out of this we're gonna get married why why i don't know i think you know i was probably because my parents wanted me to marry someone else. There was all this fear. And and there was just a lot of things I was afraid of in my life that I was afraid to confront just because they were too big. And so my feelings for her weren't clear to myself. But in that moment, they became very clear to me. In that moment, as I saw her laying there like that, I was like, oh, I love this girl. And if she comes out of this, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. I had that, like very clear it just became very clear was it just overwhelming yeah you know and then that whole time so people who haven't seen the movie she in real life she was in a coma for eight days and the whole time they have no idea what's going on and she's getting worse and worse and worse um and people sort of think of it as being brave that i was there the whole time or brave that i don't know just to be there i never felt brave i just felt very scared. It was fear. And you just do it because that's all there is to do. You sort of do it because you, 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 what else are you going to do? You know, you're either going to be there or not. And you wanted to be there. I didn't even want to be there. I had to be there. I needed to be there. I just didn't, there was no other option. There was no decision. There was no choice. It was, this is where I am until. When she woke up. Yeah. Do you remember that moment? So, so basically, you know, I would sort of hang out with her parents and we would, they flew in from North Carolina. And they, they didn't would, like you at first? No, they, you know, we changed a little bit in the movie, but it was just very awkward. Awkward, of course, yeah. But it was also that feeling of, we're the only people in the world that really know what we're going through. Nobody else understands. I remember I would go to like Walgreens and get really angry at people buying gum, being like, how do you get to have a normal life? Why, why, well, fuck Jesus. you. That feeling of... uh Yeah, why is the world going on? Why are these people laughing? Basically, we would go there, and I had a day job, an office job, and I just stopped going. I would go, I had her car, I kept her car. They were staying at her apartment. I would go pick them up at like nine in the morning. We'd be there and we'd sort of hang out all day because she had like eight different specialists. And you know, someone comes at 9.30 and someone comes at 10.30. So you know when their rounds are and you're sort of there until six or 7 p.m. when you're not allowed to visit anymore. Um, So you sort of, it was like your job. You just go hang out in the waiting room. You meet with all the doctors each day and they tell you what they're working on. And at the end you go home. You return the next day and I remember in the elevator up to her floor was always when I had the hope because I was like, all the other time, you know, she's not getting better because you know, if she got better, you'd get a fucking text. They would call her parents. Her parents would call me and I had my phone on me the whole time and I had her phone on me the whole time. But on the elevator, when you wouldn't get a signal, you'd be like, oh, I could get out of the elevator and. I could have that text. I could have that missed call, you know. So the elevator is when you really felt the hope, you know. And I remember in the beginning, you're like, the hospital, you're lost, don't know where to go. And then by the end, you're like, you got to walk from here to there. This is the best elevator. You take this up, you know, the most efficient way to get to a room. And I remember it was the three of us. We got off the elevator and one of her, it was her doctor and the doctor's like assistant, who's also a doctor, we got off and the doctor was very stern, but she was like, congratulations. We're like, what? And they're like, she's up. And I remember I was like, cutting down the hall, cutting down the hall. And uh, oh my God, I'm getting all emotional. You walk and you look in there and it was pretty similar to how it's in the movie, except I was with her parents. And you look in and she was sitting up and awake. There's a machine that she's hooked up to with all these numbers. And the nurse had taught me like, okay, these are the two numbers you're looking for. This number is bad because it's this, it should be this. And this number is bad because it's this, it should be this. And I remember seeing her and first looking and the numbers being under the numbers, you know, the numbers are good for the first time. And she's up and just being like, Oh my, it's just like subtly everything just sort of lifts and goes away. And, and the nurse is like, you know, she's out of it. Like, it's going to take her a long time to recover. She's going to need physical therapy because if you don't move your muscles for eight days, everything stops working. They're like, she's going to be on the respirator still for a long time. And, Were the three of you, the parents too, all just emotional? So Was everybody emotional? Yeah, it was just emotional. And it wasn't even complicated emotions. It was just pure joy it was just like happy and was she just uh, she's miserable she's miserable she's miserable because she has no idea she remembers what's happening she goes she remembers going to the doctor and suddenly she like can't talk she can't move anything she's got this thing down her throat that's very painful and so that's the other weird thing is that for her for us when we're at our most you know Feeling despair, she doesn't. She's out. She doesn't remember. And then when we're feeling joy, she feels despair and pain. And so, so the next two weeks for her—I mean, the next few months for her—are very, very tough. It takes her a while to get back to. When did you tell her? I mean, she—that she'd been under for eight days. Well, I'm sure you told her right away, right? No, because they said you know for a few days she's not going to remember these next few days because they have to wean her off the medication that puts her in the coma. Yeah. So you could tell her, but you'd tell her again. And I remember the other weird thing is as we, because we were then packing up and moving and I used to get entertainment weeklies, you know, we both used to read entertainment weeklies and she was like, when we were moving and packing to go to New York, she was like, wait, I haven't seen this one. And I was like, oh, that's the fucking week that you were under. That's why you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't remember that. Yeah, and then and then you know we sort of knew she was okay, and it just took her a, it just takes a while. She had to learn to walk again and all that stuff. Did you
0: tell her when you were in that coma? When I watched you, I had this feeling. I I knew what I wanted to marry you.
2: I told her later. Yeah. How I, long
0: did that take before you told her?
2: Probably not too long. I mean, I think we actually talked about. You know, we didn't have a traditional proposal. Well, what did she say?
0: I mean, did she say right away like you're crazy?
2: No, she was. She felt the same way about me as I felt about her. Um, oh, we were st- you
0: scared that she might not?
2: No, I knew she did. Really? <laughs> yeah. I we we sort of talked about it, and we went and you know, once she was healthy enough, we went and stood in line at the um, courthouse and just went and got married, and then went to brunch afterwards. How close are your parents with her now very close we're all pretty close
0: everybody's now. tight your fam- her family your family everybody's tight
2: yeah yeah and no. how nice is that it's great it's it's great I mean I mean that's the thing that I had was even though my mom didn't approve of her she knew she saw how I was when she was sick so she knew that this was real you know so she just at that point he's here for this he's gonna be here for anything. Yeah, she just knew that it wasn't going to—I wasn't going to—this was going to happen, and she just had to do the best she could to get on board. Have you thought of writing a sequel, The Big
0: Sick 2, where you get sick?
2: <laughs> see, see, see if she
0: sticks around? Yeah.
2: It's Big Sick 2 is just this. It's this podcast, and then there's a guy— <laughs> He's cutting, you know, he's mowing the lawn outside and he's running the agua.
0: Yeah, we had a gardener. We had to cut some stuff out. If you heard some stuff, the gardener was pretty loud. But he was just doing his job, right?
2: Yeah, he was doing his job.
0: Yeah. I remember you were telling the story and you looked at me like, what is happening yeah, here? Yeah, I just,
2: I thought it was in the headphones. We had sound effects for a story. Yeah, it was sound yeah. effects. We put
0: gardening sound effects <laughs> yeah, over your story. Really,
2: really put you, even though there was no garden in the story. So
0: you're the fourth season of Silicon Valley?
2: Five. We've done five. You've done five. How many are you going to do? uh do you enjoy it still i do i mean i love the show it changed my life um and i love everyone i work with i don't know how many more they're gonna do it's sort of up to them you know but you'll do
0: whatever you'll you'd like to be a part of it as long as it lasts yeah martin Starr, i worked with martin what'd you guys do we did a short film years ago called eyeball eddie
2: oh i know of it you do i haven't seen it but i know what it is he's a wrestler right yeah we Yeah. we did a little short
0: film and uh I I really loved working with do him. You, do you, are you still in touch with him? Yeah, he played football with us a couple of years ago. He came out and played football on a weekend. I, yeah. I, I organized like co-ed football and softball. Oh, and really? Stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I was texting with him this morning. You oh. got to give him my love. He's such a sweetie. I will. I'll, I will tell him right after this. Um. Uh, this
0: is this has been great. I mean, so you're doing, look, you, Dave Bautista and I were yeah. friends. He texts me and he says, "Kamal wants to be on the show. I'm like, really? He'll do it? I was so excited. I was like, oh, that's great. He's. he's fantastic. I
2: texted with Dave today about something else, and he was like, I heard you're doing Rosie's podcast. Is that what he calls you? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just saw him
0: in uh, in Houston. And, and he actually tweeted. I had people you know, send tweets, uh, questions. Wait, what are you all
2: doing in Houston? Are you following
0: me? I think you should be following me. I do follow you. Do you follow me? Yeah. Okay, good. Because Dave Bautista says, ask Kumail... How he got the glutes so tight for Mike and Dave need wedding dates, that <laughs> ass, and why he
2: loves sad songs. <laughs> That's what Dave Bautista at Dave Wow, Bautista. those are two very personal questions. Um, I did a lot of squats for my nude scene in Mike and... Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did a lot of squats. You know, I didn't quite get to where I wanted to get to. Uh, but would you show Emily your ass intermittently,
0: like throughout the weeks and say, hey, does it look better?
2: No, I knew how it looked. I I didn't get where I wanted to I would have every day. How does my ass look? Just like it did a minute ago. Well, she loves me, so she doesn't tell me the truth. But I I, I really tried to get in shape for that, and I didn't quite get what I wanted to get to because I'm like super naked for like solid five minutes of that movie. Um, Dong? No, Dong. Although the director did say that he had to CGI CGI my uh, CGI D my my CGI my balls and my taint out CGI B T yeah CGI did <laughs> balls and taint <laughs> yeah.
0: right all right so uh, and you and I both love sad songs I love I, I love do you love 70s sad songs which ones like uh, I'm not talking about moving in and I don't want to change your life no I don't know that or, or how about. Um, I like I like seventies ballads and uh, yeah, Foreigner. Yeah, I um, love that stuff. Too. Uh, what's your favorite Foreigner song?
2: What is the big one? What are their well, big? Well, they ones? say I wanna know what love yeah, is. Yeah, I love that or, one. I've been
0: waiting. Yeah, I love that one. Girl
2: I, can... I love you. Know what? Which, what do you like? I like I like a lot of like, like my favorite is Bruce Springsteen. He's got a lot of great set songs. Uh, hey,
0: little girl, is your... I like that. Yeah, one.
2: Yeah, that one's great. That one's a that's a sexy song thank you Uh, hey little girl is your daddy home did he go and leave you all alone (laughs) Ooh, that is creepy i want to take it high (laughs) yeah uh that video is good too um but what sad songs i like you know i love the river bruce springsteen that's a very sad song um I love I love a lot of like really sad folk singers. There's a guy named Bill Morrissey who's passed away. Yeah, he has two great breakup albums. I love Dylan, Bob Dylan of course, you know. Um he has an album called Standing 8 that is one of the saddest breakup albums. Love that. Then he has another one. Listen to this. So he has Standing 8 is his album that's like the angry breakup, you know, where it's like fuck you and the songs are like that. They're like sad but with anger and then he got remarried and broke up with that one and that breakup is more like about like we're still friends just the love went away it's like a little more wistful it's like sort of love fading away right. rather than exploding i like tom waits too but yeah tom waits right but that album is called something i saw or thought i saw which is a great title for uh for a breakup album something like i that.
0: saw or thought i saw ken yeah. marino says Favorite things Tom about Ken friend. Marino. Favorite
2: thing about Ken Marino? Be details. How uh, he's, I love how not narcissistic <laughs> he is. You know, I like that he's not focused on himself and that he really, really. Uh, I do love Ken, man. I did the series called These "Burning Love" time. with Ken, that he was the star of and he directed, and we had the best time, and it was. Really early on, it was before Silicon Valley, we'd done this monster movie together called Bad Milo. And that's where we met. And I've been a fan of his for a long time. And we had the best time. I love Ken. Robert Lee Gardner at Bob is Going Ham. Will you ask Camilla if he's ever going to bring
0: the X-Files podcast back? I really miss that show.
2: I think there may be a special here and there, but it's tough to go back. It's tough for me to go back and do that show again. I love that show. And there was a little time where I was just taking stuff I loved and making, like, work out of it, and now I enjoy just having it be something fun.
0: I like it. Pop Culture man, Mama? Pop Culture Mama. Get I'd love to know if working in Silicon Valley has changed how Kamal thinks about technology in his life.
2: Yes. I always thought of technology as just being a positive, and now I understand how technology can really, really ruin our lives as well. That it's not a force for good or a force for bad. It's a force, and it can be used for good or bad. And in some ways, it's many, many many times bigger and more powerful than us, and it's it's scary. Did you say that line on the show? I should say it on it the show. It sounds like it was written for you. It's very, very scary. And the scary thing is that the people who are the heads of these tech companies have free reign. They seem to have no uh, no focus on the ethical or moral implications of what they're doing or, or that what they make can be used for bad. Um, I think this is something that people are talking about now. But for years and years, these people have just been stomping around doing nothing. There aren't laws about the internet or anything because the people who make laws are completely out of touch with how fast technology is moving i mean we've seen you know the, the negative like the all the fake news shit on facebook and how that oh, no. affected us and changed our world and and I, I it's very scary nothing's nothing's being done about it i mean you got a lot of stuff you're always working what's this uh, men in black spinoff film yeah i just finished shooting that i just got back friday from london um it's uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Chris Hemsworth, how sexy is he? Too much. Too much. It. He walks into a room and changes the gravity of it. I fucking hate it. He's so handsome and, and so nice. funny and so nice. That's and... Such a good dad, right? Good family guy. Oh god, so buff. Oh god, can't handle. I'm that. not gay, but I'd give that dude a Handy. Oh, Yeah, you know, you're not gay, but if you see a unicorn, you got to ride it, you know, fucking ride it
0: hard, yeah. dude. Absolutely, that's a unicorn, He's it doesn't count. Him.
2: That doesn't count, man. but him and Tessa Thompson are both fantastic. And what's the
0: Batista movie you did?
2: Oh, dude, I did this movie with he we had the best time. I hope the movie's going to be good. I haven't seen it well, yet. Well, let I me tell you wait. what
0: he said to me, and he honestly, this was unsolicited, he said, Camille is an awesome serious actor like his moments when he i'm like taken aback like i'm like oh my god how good you are wow
2: well, well, that's what he said well batista's so good He's i don't su- want to tell you is
0: such a good dude i mean listen in hollywood you always hear about oh, everybody's great and this guy's great but but dave batista he was on the show and his podcast is coming out he is one of my favorite wasn't he your favorite rob
2: not my favorite, but he's I mean,
0: one, one of your favorite. He's a
2: well, nice. you're my favorite. Yeah, there we go. One of the, the nicest guys. I will tell you, Batista is probably the most good person. He's like, a good person. I, I'm, Genuine. I, I, I'm very lucky that I have a number of good people in my life, and I feel very, very lucky that Batista is a new, good, good, genuinely good person I have in my life who is also He's a fucking great actor, and he's so funny, and I learned so much working with him, and we had the best time doing this movie. It's a movie called Stuber. Um, It comes out next May. It got a really big release date. Oh, good. Yeah, it's like Memorial Day or whatever. So they must like it. I hope it's good, man. We had the best time. It's a big, funny comedy. All you can do is enjoy it.
0: And see what happens.
2: We shot in Atlanta, fell in love with Atlanta, fell in love with Dave Batista. I mean, it really was... I could not ask for a better professional and personal experience. What's your Twitter handle? Kumail N-K-U-M-A-I-L-N. And what's your uh,
0: Instagram handle? Same Same thing. Same thing.
2: Kumail, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. (laughs) Oh,
0: thanks for being inside of me. I mean, this is... This was so easy and fun. Yeah, I had a blast, Thanks man. for
2: opening up, almost getting emotional.
0: <laughs> no, I like that. I like it. was just It was just a conversation. I just wanted to know more about you.
2: No, well, thanks for having me. I had a great time. And please invite me to your horror movie nights. Emily and I are massive horror fans. Me too. I we love know, horror movies. I see Martyrs sitting over there. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that disturbing? That movie is... That is a hard-ass movie. Did you see Dead Girl? Yes. That was fucked up. Yeah. That's kinda that's fucked a, up. That, that,
0: What's your top three right now horror movies of all time?
2: It changes, you know. It's hard to get away from, like, you know. not scariest? The
0: ones that really... I'll tell you something. Blair Witch, the first time I saw it, yeah, before that... the hype, scared the shit out of me. Paranormal Activity, the first time, scared the shit out of Great. me. The Shining, The Exorcist, The Omen, those I would, movies. I would put Silence of the Lambs up there Silence for me. Of the Lambs. All those
2: movies are definitely movies that scared the shit out of me. I mean, you know, in Paranormal Activity, when that person's just standing there and time's going and they're just like... Not moving, so fucking good. All those movies are really, really. I think good. we should write a horror movie together. I would love to do a horror movie. I, I feel a little scared to do a horror movie because I don't know how to do it. To me, sure you do. Real, you could do it better than most of most the people. It feels magical to me. Like, you know, most movies I watch and I learn and I'm like, all right. I You know, because The Big Sick was our version of like rom-coms, but also those James L. Brooks movies like yeah. Broadcast News or Terms of Endearment. Like, that's what we wanted to make our version of that. And with horror, Emily and I have talked uh, and we want to do horror, but... To both of us it just feels like magic like i don't know how they do
0: well I, I think that what happens is they just throw every all these studios throw out horror movies all the time and yeah. we get sucked into seeing them because they have a good teaser or they have and they're mostly they're just not very good i i see them over and over and they break my heart and I just think that you don't you don't need big stars you don't no. need you don't need big stars you don't need a lot of money you need a good story and you need the right story or in the right in the right
2: scares you don't need to always have a sound effect to scare people no and I think the great thing about horror movies that it is is that it's gotta be primal right that fear is gotta be primal you real
0: gotta- real guttural. Freaking oh my god,
2: I'm in that guy. The strangers. You're like, oh my god, this oh, could happen. The strangers This are... could
0: happen. This could
2: happen. Have you seen a movie called Them? Yeah. Yeah. Them's real good. Um them's real good, man. Them's real good. And I think horror and comedy are both similar in that they're both um uh, based on surprise, right? Like you're not going to laugh at something. If you see it coming, you're not going to get scared at something. If you, if you, if you see it coming. So both of those, I think are, are very similar. And I think both of those are also why I think they're also most misunderstood by critics. There are comedy and horror the most that like, will get bad reviews. And then years later, they're classics because I think they require full attention. And if you're a critic, you're writing down notes, you're looking up and down, you can't get into them. So that that's my that's my theory. By the way, not a knock on critics. I love critics. I I I read a lot of movie criticism.
0: I don't know how I feel about it. I, I mean, the Rotten Tomatoes thing, I, I just, Scorsese wrote a good article about that. It's like people used to, people used to hear about a movie and they'd go see it and now they're just being told not to see all these movies and, you know, if they get reviewed during Oscars and they're like a lowbrow comedy, they don't take seriously. So you're getting sort of misinformation. So it's kind of, you know, it's what it is. It's There's so much information out there that, uh, you know, you want to have critics, but I like the old days when there was just Siskel and Ebert. You just right. Two guys. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, oh, these guys kind of liked it. Uh, yeah. Well, one of them liked it. I, I liked the bald guy better. Yeah. yeah. the
2: fat guy. I try to not even watch trailers of movies. Me, ne- me neither. Me neither. I, 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 won't I, do I will it. I will read reviews of movies after I've watched it uh, to certain people whose writing I like just to see how they thought about it and how that goes with how I feel about it. Um, and I, I just think, you know, that um, – yeah, the 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 Rotten Tomatoes thing is is interesting, but that's why I like watching movies in movie festivals, if we have a, you know, if I get to go to a movie, I'll, I'll just go in and you have watch. No idea what you're going to see. No say. idea, because yeah. a lot of times now when you go in to see a movie, you already know whether you're going to like it or not because you've seen the Rotten Tomatoes score, you've heard so much about it, you know so much about it. You already go in with so much. I like I like just going in. There's this festival called Fantastic Fest. Have you been to it no, I've in heard of Austin? It. Emily and I went for like a bunch of years in a row, and we just picked five movies every day. No horror. They're all genre. Genre. So you go in and you just like. I saw the Baba Duke like that. I had no idea. Babadook what... was good. It was really well directed. It just wasn't scary enough. I, I it was just. A good movie. I went in knowing nothing about it, and okay. I was like, "This fucking." Oh, rock. okay. Yeah. I heard it was really scary. It was so scary. Yeah. I liked it. Though. I knew nothing about it. I
0: feel like I'm terrible. I'm just such a hard critic. But I'm there's
2: a lot hard. of horror movies that don't scare me that I really, really love. I, I don't think horror really like. I thought that the It remake, even though it didn't scare me, I really liked it. This has been an incredible interview. Well, thank you for having me. Um, no, I really I really enjoyed this. You're
0: you're a great yeah, guy. Dude, I hope to see you again. Me. I'm going to invite you out. Rob, did you like this? I did. He's such a talented guy and a nice guy. You're one of the good guys.
2: <laughs> oh, well, thank you, man. You too. Mel
0: Nanjiani.